Welcome to the Freelancer podcast, where we talk about talent acquisition topics. I'm Eero, the co-founder of Freelancer, the platform where employers connect with freelance recruiters. Today we have Angela and we will be talking about how to recruit in cybersecurity. Welcome, Angela. Hi, Eero. Nice to see you. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, actually, there's a quite... Uh, long history in a way long history <laughs> behind us when we started Relancer, before that we were relocating talent from different countries and then at one point we started to use external partners for that local recruiters and and then we had like five partners and angela was one of them <laughs> yes so, and we started actually collaborating together 2019 yeah something like that and and basically when we started Relancer, we had like five recruiters in the list <laughs> and you one were of one of you were one of them so so you're like the first uh, recruiter in, in Relancer. so that's uh, super cool i think yeah it is and we actually had a really great journey together so while Relancer was growing i was also growing so that was i think the uh, career path for all of us together yeah and then, so so <laughs> I'm doing this for every guest I have. I'm always snooping uh, what they have on LinkedIn. So so I learned something interesting that that you have like education in media and communications, and, and you even did you start to become like a journalist, or you were at least an intern in in journalism. That's a really good point. So I graduated uh, media communications, and actually my degree is a PR manager. Uh, so since I was deciding, should I be a journalist or should I be a PR? I started the internship as a journalist. I decided immediately that I don't want to be a journalist. And then mm. let's say uh, I opened my PR agency, hoping that I will become one of the biggest PR managers in Serbia. And actually, I was on a good way to go, but not that good because I was too young. Uh, so I organized a couple of uh, PR events uh, in Belgrade, also starting to fight internally with my own internal fights, like should I go to event planning or PR management, management? because I wasn't able to separate those two things clearly. Uh, and then I actually decided to <laughs> go on the master studies for project management. <laughs> and I am a certified IPMI project manager. And that's how I actually ended up in recruitment. Uh, because actually, I started working as a PR manager, beginning of 2017, end of 2016, something like that, uh, for one uh, recruitment agency in Netherlands. And then after two months working as a project manager, manager, um, I became a recruiter by accident. Because I was really curious what recruiters are doing. And then I started first of all with sourcing, interviewing. And uh, in a really short period of time, I found myself there. And I'm here still, right? Not planning to change my career. And during this wonderful journey of more than eight years right now, uh, I am, let's say, working all the time in cybersecurity. Uh, past various vendors, had them as my clients, or some of them even 
worked directly as an interim recruiter. And right now I'm also working for one of the cybersecurity vendors. Uh, so yeah, that long story short, cybersecurity recruiter and right now an HR manager as well. How accidents so everybody everybody accidentally ends up in recruiting. So it's so yeah. far we will see like if I, I find somebody uh, who intentionally uh, ended up in recruiting, like I will let you know. That would be I a challenge. Know, like, yeah. Yeah, I do know that people like uh, at least in here in Estonia we have now like education on HR, like uh, HR management and so on, but recruiting specifically, I'm not sure like if this is like somehow like educationally covered like maybe exactly. somewhere but I don't know. And it, it doesn't exist as an education. And if you ask me, it should exist <laughs> because I think that um recruitment it's a really big discipline, uh, which should be researched on a really good level uh, because it is a part observed as a part of an HR, but it's a completely different thing than an HR. Maybe it's good. It's a good opportunity for me then. Like uh, I'm thinking to start like a knowledge base or uh, to educate people on talent acquisition. Like, and uh, of course it's for the industry experts. I'm gonna do some more advanced stuff, not for uh, beginners, but, uh, but... Yeah, new new Relancer project, Relancer University. Yeah, yeah. I'm applying yeah. to be one of the first professors. <laughs> so yeah, I understand that you're in cybersecurity. How did you end up in there? Like it's in a way super specific or niche compared to a, like traditional software development or so. It is deeply niched. Uh, I actually came to this niche on an early stage of my career. So as I said, I started working for a recruitment agency, a Dutch one, uh, which has been dealing only with the exclusive hirings for cybersecurity vendors. So I immediately jumped into the hardest shoes of cybersecurity recruiter. Uh, and I think that that was a good move because in particular in cybersecurity, you don't have a lot of recruiters. Uh, so that's an industry where even recruiter needs to be a technical person. And when I say technical person, I, of course, don't mean that we are coding things, uh, but you need to have a deep understanding about every possible technical role. And I'm not talking here about the classical development roles like Java developers, C++ and so on and so forth. I mean, like knowing the difference between blue team, red team, purple team, what is attack, what is defense, what the ethical hacker is doing, what CTI analyst is doing. So, and to be able to understand all of those technical formalities and being able to understand while you're interviewing a person, is he a defensive or offensive uh, engineer? You need to understand how the whole OZ model works and how all subdomains of cybersecurity works, like network security, cloud security, XDI, and et cetera. So you need to be uh, particularly oriented to deeply understand your industry, and that's cybersecurity, and all the aspects within the industry and all the roles, so you can be successful in it. Otherwise, you will just turn around and yeah, trying to catch up some things. Uh, but on the other hand, I am not saying that 
classical IT recruitment of developers, it's not that hard as well because it is. You have to understand those development positions. I mean, I had the chance to uh, recruit developers as well for a long period of time. Uh, it has some similarities, but on the other hand, let's say those are the specific things related to cybersecurity recruitment and also particularly for the sales teams. Since sales teams are the crucial teams within the cybersecurity landscape, um, and even though those are not technical positions, they are really hard to recruit. Uh, because first of all, you have a limited pool of talents. And I'm not saying here that you have few people, you have thousands of them. But on the other hand, that's still not that big as a pool, for example, of Java developers, where you have a lot of them. So you need to have a certain techniques, uh, special approach uh, and everything so you can attract them. Yeah, definitely. I was, I was thinking like that uh, people have made this like, uh, what, what does the tech team, uh, terms mean like for recruiters so they can understand better that, that there's a difference between Java and JavaScript. Like, is there anything else like that in cybersecurity? Has somebody done like, okay, these are in, like, what is the red team, what is blue team and so on? Is there anything like that out there? There is so many things. And, and as you said, what is the difference between Java and JavaScript? It's not, what is the difference between Java and JavaScript? It is, what is the difference between Java 8 and Java 11. <laughs> you know? So it is like that within the cybersecurity. So you, you need to understand, first of all, the difference between network security, cloud security, threat intelligence, identity and access management, and all of those things. And uh, as you referred to, blue team and red team. Blue team, it's a defensive team. Red team, it's offensive team purple team, let's call it the combination of those two, uh, from this, let's say, general language perspective. Um, maybe purple team is the hardest to recruit, I would say. So you already mentioned that the recruiter has to know stuff, like has to understand the industry, of course, has to understand the roles. And there is, like you mentioned, uh, less uh, talent uh, because they have to have this specific uh, background. How is recruiting cybersecurity roles different from recruiting traditional software development roles? Like for somebody, they would think, okay, they're developers or somehow technical also, it's going to be similar. How it's different? It's different, first of all, because um, you have a special education for cybersecurity. First of all, we should separate the technical and non-technical positions within the cybersecurity landscape. For the technical positions, you have a certain educational background that those people are passing, like university studies for cybersecurity. And then after that, the technical guys are going over the certification programs, like Certified Ethical Hacker, that is SAC uh, certification. Then they have OCCP, uh, let's say Offensive Security um, Ethical Hacker. And uh, then they have so many certificates that they, they should and can get. So, so when I say should, I mean, in most of the cases, they should have those certificates so they can be able to deeply understand the scope of their responsibilities, their work and be prepared, let's say, to work on the vendor landscape, reseller and customer, it doesn't matter. Uh, but on the other hand, let's say 
during their career, career progression, they're also gathering a lot of certificates. So for example, in the classical development roles, as I already mentioned, yes, okay, you have a new release of Java and you are not going to get certified for that new release of Java. You are learning it by working. But for the cybersecurity, you are constantly, for the technical roles, you are constantly getting new certificates because there are constant new updates. And also you are constantly growing in your career. On the other hand, becoming a senior within cybersecurity, it's a little bit longer than becoming a senior in the development positions. For the non-technical positions, for the sales roles, you are starting usually from an inside sales or sales development representative roles. And then you are continuing to grow through the channel to the field sales. And then on the field sales, you are segmenting people. Are they account managers or they key account managers dealing with some key accounts or they are a major account managers dealing with some named accounts, just a few of them, or they are global account managers, meaning dealing with the global accounts, or they are sales directors. And then you have to take into the consideration, uh-huh, the sales director is that means that he is a director, meaning leading the team and managing the people, or he is a director in a sense of leading just a few named accounts and being director for only those particular accounts. So those are all the things that you as a recruiter needs to be able to recognize based on the LinkedIn profile as the starting point. And then let's say based on the resume as well. So uh, yes, to answer your question, uh, there are certain differences between the classical uh, IT roles and the cybersecurity. You mentioned education. Uh, there are a lot of uh, traditional software developers who never graduated. For example, our CTO, like he went to school, learned a little bit, started to working, and then was like, okay, I'm learning faster. No point to finish the school. Like how, like you, how, how many are like self-learn or you must have education house that part? Like? Uh, let's look at from the movie perspective. All of those, let's say black hat ethical hackers, they, in most of the cases don't have any educational background, right? Some the kids, movie, yes. <laughs> exactly. Some kids who entered a PC recognize how they can broke some system, entered the system, mm. steal some data and so on and so forth. So, but that I would call that as a um, uh, natural talent, let's call it like that. So you can have a natural talent. You don't need to have an education. It's not a must, but on the other hand, if you don't have certificates and if you don't have a certain practice, it's really hard that you will become a, a cybersecurity technical person. Like I'm talking here about the CTI analyst, SOC analyst, ethical hacker or penetration tester. So for those kind of things, you actually need to have some sort of at least certificate. And also because of the constant updates, literally constant updates. And let's take the penetration testing. So you're constantly testing something. It's like a QA engineer, right? So you are testing the software before the production phase. And in this case, the penetration tester, it's constantly finding bugs and fixing bugs. Definitely you need to have at least some, some base. It doesn't need to be university studies, of course, but uh, it should be some certificates. So 
we had a client like it wasn't a cybersecurity company but but they basically had um, so we did rpo for them and so we sent some recruiters uh, to work uh, to the company and they had had some clients in the us so they had to get their uh, computers to work uh, in a safe environment how's uh, what limitations there are in remote work when you work with cybersecurity this, this should be actually a demand for all companies were having remote working structure uh, because the cybersecurity it's something much bigger than limited only to a cybersecurity space, right? So if you are a remote uh, worker of a company, you should have security systems, de- defending security systems on your company PC so the company data can be secured. I mean, right now I'm potentially selling the product of our company <laughs> as well <laughs> with this pitch. Uh, but I definitely think that every company PC, and not only company PC, the private PC also needs to have some security systems. Uh, because first of all, on that way, you are securing uh, yourself from the attacks from the outside of the organization. And we all know how valuable data it is these days, right? So if you do not have security systems in your uh company pieces, and especially if you are a cybersecurity, working for a cybersecurity company, all of your employees needs to have a certain uh, defending systems installed on their company pieces. So at the first place on that way, you are securing company data. You are showing also the social responsibility, meaning like we are a cybersecurity company. Just imagine if we are not preventing external attacks internally. I mean, we have zero social responsibility and how anyone will buy our product, right? So that's why all the people who are working within the cybersecurity industry, they have internal software, security softwares installed on their PCs. And then also apart from that password manager, I would say as one of the most important tools that everyone should have. Uh, and that's also a security system. And on the other hand, the VPNs. So it is common to do uh, remote work in cybersecurity, like working for yes. a cybersecurity company. I am working yeah. all the time remotely, all the time having internal company security systems installed on the business pieces and without any issues. Hmm. That's always make, makes it a little bit easier to get new talent. So what are some effective strategies to attract talent in cybersecurity? How do you get talent? That's a, that's a good point. So first of all, you need to have a good pitch. So as a recruiter, we are at the first place. I am calling us all the time, marketeer, brand manager, interviewer, HR, psychologist, all in one. So you need to have a good approach. You need to have a catchy, fully personalized message that you will showcase uh, to the person that you are reaching out, that you actually know what they are doing. Unfortunately, I had several times the situations from some of my colleagues where I was approached for a role of a security analyst. And I was like, did you ever stopped on my LinkedIn profile? Look at what I'm doing. I mean, I know that I'm showing up in your search when you type in cybersecurity, but at least read the title. Uh, so if you show them that you definitely read their profile and you are reaching out 
to them for the right role, and also you personalized your message, they will at least reply back, even though if they are not interested. Uh, and I'm talking here mostly about the uh, non-technical positions like the sales department, uh, because those people are used to be on LinkedIn all the time. Uh, because LinkedIn is their first choice for finding their ideal customer persona and for all the lead generation and everything that they are doing. So they are quite responsive. Uh, and also you are building a community around you. So you are building yourself as a brand, building the community around you of those qualified people and building the strong relationship with all of them that every time you are not closing the door. Meaning like if you have someone who is not interested for the role right now and he just replies like, no, thank you, I'm not interested now. You're not leaving that person with without the response from your side. So you're paying attention to it and just responding like, thank you so much for your reply. I will be more than happy to stay in touch for the future, if that's okay with you, for example. And they always reply back like, yes, of course, let's keep in touch. Then you are sending a connection request if you didn't send it before connecting with them on LinkedIn, constantly posting something about the company, the environment that you are recruiting for. If you are an agency recruiter, you are reposting some, let's say, uh, content from the companies that you are working for, from your clients. Also, let's say, boosting that audience, right? Uh, so those are some of the, the main strategies that you can work on. What do they care about? So you have to have a good pitch, so what should it include? Like, uh, what is the selling points? First of all, you, you, need to, you need to have a good product. So um, if you're working for a product company, I mean, for a vendor in cybersecurity, which is at the top of the pyramid. Uh, so if, if you are working for a vendor, you need to have a good product. And that product will be able to sell himself. Meaning that if you are a recruiter and you are mentioning the product of your vendor and you know and you believe in your product and you are able to convince uh, the people that your product is worth their attention and worth to, let's say, consider working for your company, um, that's all that you need. On the other hand, if you are working for, for example, for a distributor or reseller, they are having plenty of products in their portfolio. So plenty of vendor products, right? So I would say that in that case, you are catching those people with an explanation regarding what are the products that we are covering from which vendors. And also, let's say some unique selling points from the company perspective, like some kind of a benefits, remote working environment, work-life balance, and those kind of things. And uh, then if you are an end customer, like a bank, for example, because right now every end customer has their own security department. Um, those unique selling points are at the first place, size of the team, size of responsibilities, and also um, is it bank well-known or not? Does it have potential on the market, for example? What is the, I don't know, some approach uh, to, to the market? Um, and the scope of responsibilities and the career path, how they can progress. Because for example, on the end customer side, you don't have non-technical cybersecurity positions. So the sales cybersecurity positions exist only on the landscape of a vendor, reseller and distributor. 
and also on the managed service providers. Uh, but on the end customer, like banks and retail, oil and gas, and those kind of things, you have only technical position. Do you have any hope if you have an average product? We don't have an average product. <laughs> we have an I extraordinary mean, not you, product. But if somebody, if, if somebody has average product, and they need to still you hire. Have. You have, you have. Uh, it's not like you don't have a chance. It's just like um, you need to give a hope to the people that they can progress because at the end of the day, it's all about the progress, right? Um, I mean, don't lie each other. We are all living for some prosperity, good work-life balance and having enough money to pay our bills and need something, right? Uh, so with all of those things matching, yes, every, every company can find the talent. I'm not saying that it's easy, but yes, even though if you don't have an extraordinary product, you can you can find people. If you cannot, you are engaging a freelancer recruiter who can help you to do it, right? Yeah, interesting. <laughs> so, so you we talk about that uh, the talent in cybersecurity in in a way uh, sometimes have to have certification, have the right background, and so on. So, so employer branding must be a very important part of that. Like how how to become the employer of choice? Uh, in cybersecurity, to become the employer of choice, um, you need to combine different techniques, uh, and that's actually a really good point. Uh, again, everything starts from the product. So, if you have a good product which is recognized on the market as a good, valuable, qualified product, where um, you know what is the thing? So in the cybersecurity industry, people are aware of all the new names, right? Because they are constantly reading, keeping themselves up to date. And then if there is a new vendor on the market, they will all do the research to figure out what is happening and who is that company, what they are doing, and so on and so forth. There are rare cases where, let's say, for example, you're so small or you just entered the market and nobody knows about you. But then, since you have a good product, you just make the explosion on the market and everyone starts reading like, okay, who are these guys, what they are doing? And then that's the way how you spread the word about your company and the public. On the other hand, that's one way how you can do it. On the other hand, in parallel, even though you are starting as a small startup growing into an enterprise or not growing into an enterprise, growing in some sustainable growth, right? Being still a startup, keeping that startup mi mindset. You need to take care of your internal team members, right? You need to make them feel great, super positive that they are working for you so they can start spreading that good word about the company culture, about the potential, uh, let's say, uh, career pro progression within the company, also um, regarding the benefits uh, and the last thing it's salaries. So cybersecurity in general has a little bit higher salaries than any other IT industry. Uh, and with those salaries, you are fighting to be competitive on the market and to be able to attract the talent. Um, 
employer brand. Of course, it starts from products. So if you're an early stage startup, if you have a great product, that's good. And, and that's super good if if people really research, research about it. So basically, when you reach out, they might already know you. And, and, and if they already know they might. how good the product is, it, it can be much easier. But it's super important then to have like good candidate experience because the talent pool is limited. Uh, you have to provide good experience. So one, of course, you have to come back to the same talent all the time, in a way. Um, but also, like, if a close community, small community, people talk, so so you have to be super careful. Like, otherwise, you can exactly. mess it up. And like, especially in sales teams, for example, it might happen to you that you are talking with the same person for three different companies. <laughs> so you spoke to him, for example, five years ago about one company. He didn't work out or he decided to quit or whatever happened, but you know that he is qualified. And then let's say you are reaching out to him a year after, for example, for another vendor. He doesn't like it, but you agreed to stay in touch. And then third time you reach out to him and he said, mm -hmm, okay, this looks interesting. You know that he is qualified. You are putting him in the process immediately and he gets the job. I mean, it doesn't mean that it will be the third time. It might, in most of the cases, it's the first time, right? Because you are choosing who to reach out. But in some cases, because I had so many cases where I believe that the person is good, but the management thinks like, maybe we can find someone better or some things doesn't work like salary expectations and those kind of things. But if you know, you are sure you have your feeling that that guy is good and qualified, please not limit here to guys, lady, whoever, so males or females, you need to keep the good relationship with that person. Because if it's not now, it might be in three, five, seven, ten 10 years, but that's your personal connection. And you know how great it is when you reach out to some of your previous candidates where you already had a contact with, and you just send a message and they immediately respond like, hey, Angela, it's so good to hear back from you what you have mm -hmm. to offer right now. That's actually, I, I don't know for other recruiters, but for myself, that's my biggest success. And that's actually something that I am living for because that's mm -hmm. the most positive side of recruitment. When people come to me, they respond to my message like, hey, long time no see, what happened? What you have to offer right now? Or... If I'm not approaching them because I don't have anything right now and they decided to switch their career, to change their job, they are reaching out like, hey, I remembered our last conversation. Do you have something to offer? That's the biggest recruiter success. When you have people responding to your messages positively and also when you have people reaching out to you for the role. Well, it's uh, about the relationship building. Exactly, so. exactly. That, the recruitment and sales are such a related disciplines. Mm. So what are the most like common countries uh, uh, where to find cybersecurity talent? Like if, if you want to look abroad or, or find them from another country. That's a, that's a good point. Uh, as we all know, cybersecurity, it's most, let's say the biggest industry in North America, right? Uh, then on the other hand, we have Israel as a, biggest state 
for uh, biggest country for and biggest potential for cybersecurity vendors. On the other hand, we have Netherlands as a biggest country uh, within the Europe with the cybersecurity talents, including UK and Germany as well. And then, of course, you are able to find, uh, let's say, good talents in the Asia Pacific side, in the APAC side, especially in India, because most of the vendors are outsourcing, uh, let's say, their teams uh, to India. And right now, recently, um, that region it's let's say becoming bigger a little bit. So right now we have some cybersecurity talents in Indonesia and in Philippines as well. And in Europe right now it becomes a bigger picture. So it's not only, for example, in Netherlands, it's the whole Benelux, it's the whole DAC region. There is Nordics as well. There is France, there is Italy and so on and so forth. Uh, so the Europe in general uh, becomes really popular uh, for the cybersecurity. So how interesting in general, what I have seen is there are like uh, these uh, startup accelerators coming up that are specifically uh, focusing cyber on cybersecurity. I think that means that it's getting bigger and bigger and, and, and there is like a huge opportunity inside cybersecurity. Yes, that's definitely the fastest growing industry. And I think the industry with the biggest potential. Because eventually, at the end of the day, we will all need cybersecurity. It will, it will become as a physical security because everything is it's online, right? We are all online. I mean, you and I, we're using Facebook and Instagram, right? And okay, maybe we're using it for, from our phones and thinking like nothing will going to happen. But it's not that. I mean, we are all aware what is happening and also with the progress of the IE and um uh, I'm pretty sure that sooner or later, people will become aware that the cybersecurity is the vital part and that actually everyone needs it. And it doesn't matter, is it on your business laptop or on your private yeah, it's, it's also hidden in a way, like we, <laughs> we use, like I, I was definitely one of the early users uh, of like com computers becoming like uh, publicly used maybe because I'm, I'm quite young, <laughs> but like when there was like Windows 95 or whatever, there was a lot of virus stuff like that. You had to be super careful. Nowadays, yeah. of course, you need to be still careful, uh, but, but there is a lot of like, um, at least you have a firewall. Yeah. Yeah. That, that nowadays it's, it's quite protected already on the background that, that uh, you don't maybe have to know so, so much, but, but in, in the past it had to be like super, uh, you had to be very conscious because there wasn't yeah. out there so much Definitely. security involved already using, uh, and of course with all the new technologies, uh, there is going to be a lot of holes and stuff that can happen. So it's definitely always so maybe, uh, there was one interesting thing that we haven't covered it yet. But what are the main like channels like uh, to find uh, cybersecurity talent? And I think in that way it's a little bit different that you mentioned the LinkedIn is the main source. So, like it's not very common for software development to find a lot of talent on the LinkedIn. You can still find a lot of software development developers on LinkedIn, but most of them, let's say, you can also find on um, other, uh, let's say, uh, tools, um, and searching through the Google X with the Boolean strings. But for the cybersecurity positions, and it doesn't matter is it technical or non-technical positions, most of them, when I say most of them, I mean more than 90% are already on LinkedIn. 
Uh, and the reason for that, it's let's say, because you are fighting to progress. You are trying to build connections, meaning that you can be able to jump to another company. You would like to be visible to recruiters, even though like, for example, when you are a seller in the cybersecurity industry and you are receiving on a daily basis, sometimes more than five requests from recruiters for having an interview with them, you still would like to be visible for at the first place, because if you are a seller and here, it doesn't matter, are you working in cybersecurity or not, or in any other industry, if you are a seller and you are selling a product online, right? Uh, you, you have a SaaS product. You need to have LinkedIn profile because that's your main point of contact with all of your customers. And then for, from the sales perspective of the cybersecurity, they are all on LinkedIn because if they don't have LinkedIn, it's like they don't even exist. Hmm. Uh, and then let's say for the sales guys, you are fighting to get their attention because it might happen for some great guy or a girl that I will be fifth recruiter during the day who reach out to them. So I need to be innovative and I need to make them respond. On the other hand, for the technical positions, somehow they are all there also. Maybe not all of them, maybe some of them are not, but in most of the cases, I actually never had any problem uh, finding cybersecurity talent on LinkedIn. So I would say that from my side, LinkedIn, it's my main source. But I'm not limiting myself only to a LinkedIn reach out. That's also a thing. So I am reaching out to them by LinkedIn, but then I am also reaching out to them via email or sometimes even cold calling as well. So different methods of reach out, but LinkedIn as a main source of, uh, for sourcing. So, so how's the career progression in cybersecurity, like in one company, you mentioned that, that they all, all want to progress. Like, of course, the, the fastest way to progress usually is to change the company, to, to get the higher salaries, to change the company. Like, and then I think nowadays, like if, if you see why young people are changing so, uh, so often jobs, of course, they're looking around, they, they want to try new things, but one of the ways to always progress is to change jobs. Like how, how is it in cybersecurity? Like, do they like progress in the company? Do they stay longer or they uh, change the job often or? That depends on the person. I can tell you, first of all, from the technical uh, roles, you can start um, as a junior and progress within the, uh, within the company to a senior role. And that depends only on the company who employed you, where you are working on, and let's say also on yourself, will that progress happen or not? I mean, normally the progress happens because by the way, those guys are always trying to develop themselves. On the other hand, it depends on you. So if you are someone who likes to change jobs often and to do maybe some different things from time to time, then you will change your job every two, three years. Sometimes even we're having some people who are changing jobs every year, but for the sales team, for example, that's really as a standard, let's call it like that. So the seller, it's not successful if he is not able to stay in the company for at least three years. 
Because first of all, during the first year, you are getting onboarded, you are getting in touch with the customers, you are just ramping up. And you can say that you are able to sell the product properly, reach out to your customers and so on and so forth after the first six months. So I would say that that first year is your ramp up period. There are really rare cases where the person is fully up to speed, meaning that it's reaching out his target during a period of one, less than one year. Then on the second year, you are striving to reach out your target and overachieve it as well, because in most of the cases, cybersecurity companies, especially vendors, are having president's clubs. And those are some things that sellers are striving for because it, it's, it's kind of a power, you know? If you're a part of the president's club, you can put that on your LinkedIn profile. You can share it with everyone. Also, you have some wonderful prices, like some luxury vacations with your family and those kind of things. And then let's say on the third year, you are on some sustainable level. Let's call it like that. You already know your customers. You have a significant amount of renewals and you are able to do new business as well. And again, achieve and overachieve your target. So in most of the cases, sellers are staying longer than three years within the company. We have even some situations, I mean, I had in one of my previous companies and vendors, I had situations, and that's really symptomatic for them, where people have been staying with them for 25 years. And that's mm -hmm. as from the very first day when the company has been established almost. So how long the seller will stay in the company reflects on how good as a sales person he or she is, but also it reflects how rational targets are and how good the company culture is. Because it might happen that you made a mistake and you will switch your job after a year and it might be several cases. So it might be uh, several reasons. It might be like you made a mistake because company it's not what you have been looking for, or it might be that the target is so high or it might be that simply it didn't work out. Or at the end of the day, it might be that there is another vendor, another smart recruiter reaching out to you with a higher salary, additional days of vacation, and then you will reconsider it and maybe move. So it's allowed to move after a year, but it's not allowed to be jumpy, meaning like you are switching a job every one year. Because on that way, that looks from a recruiter perspective, that looks like, hmm, okay, this guy is maybe not achieving his target. Uh, how big is the bonuses part of the salary? Because like, of course, like in the first year, you're basically building your like client pool, you're getting to know how to sell, the, you're building the relationships. And then like, if you, if there is a bonus scheme uh, or like, even if there is, like you said, vacations, whatever involved, like, so. So you're working the first year to get to the point that you're actually like getting those bonuses or benefits or whatever. And then when you get it, of course, it makes, makes sense to stay. So the thing is, let's say, uh, within the cybersecurity sellers are working on the on target earning plan, most famous as an OTE plan. So they have a certain splits between their base and the commission. So from this sales perspective within the cybersecurity, the bonus part which is known as a bonus, it's named commission. And there are certain splits, like for example, in the field sales, it's usually 50-50 split. So 50% of your OT, it's your base, 50% it's your commission. Then for the channel, it's a different split. For the solutions engineers, it's a different split. So those are, let's say, 
um, the aspects that company is making decision internally. But there are some industry standards within the sales team that most of the vendors, resellers and distributors are respecting in regards of the OT split. But that's the way how they work. So they're all uh, compensated based on the on-target earning plan. Yeah, in that case, like, uh, it's interesting, like in, in some uh, areas in recruiting, uh, if people have stayed for a long time, uh, sometimes people think, okay, um, they, they have stayed too, uh, too long, they get like comfortable and so on. But, but maybe in, in sales, you would think, okay, they're probably doing well because they're kept around and also they're probably making good, good uh, money uh, uh, on that side that they don't want to leave. So that might be even a good sign. You know, also what is there? So the sellers are usually sharing their accomplishments on, on their resumes and LinkedIn profiles. And if there are significant achievements from their side within the company, they will mention it. In the job mm -hmm. description, that will be there for sure. Mm -hmm. And that makes our life maybe a little bit easier. Uh, but let's say on the other hand, it's not that much easier because we still have to recognize which seller it's covering which aspect. So is it the enterprise accounts? Is it only named accounts? Is it renewals? Is it MSSP? Is it this? Is it that? So a lot of tricky parts. Yeah. So that's it for episode four uh, of Freelancer Podcast. If you like this episode, feel free to subscribe and share it. Thank you for tuning in. I hope to see you in the next one. Thank you, Ero, for inviting me once again. And bye to everyone. Bye.